put a spell on you. Cause you're mine. Welcome to Hex Rated, where we four witches will take you on a magical journey through foul language and outrageous feminism. Plus, some witchy shit. Well, did you watch the SpaceX launch? Yes. I did, yes. Mr. J cried a little bit. <laughs> I, You know, I've never watched a live rocket launch. What? And I was surprised by how, like, emotional I got. Like, I've always just not seen them live. I've, like, seen them after the fact. And watching it live, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is very powerful. These people are going into space. Yeah. I got teary-eyed. And I looked over, and Mr. J was like crying just a little bit like happy tears of uh of joy just because well, it's been I nine mean, it's... years nine years since yeah. a rocket has launched shuttle. from american soil so or a, a, a manned shuttle you're right um mm-hmm. that which is mind-boggling to me you know what i watched i think i've probably talked about it on the podcast before and recommended it but there's a documentary called the farthest that's about the um, Cassini mission, the Cassini satellite that was the first one to reach the outer planets and photograph them. And talk about emotional, because they've got some great footage from behind the scenes at uh, NASA and JPL. And seeing these people that like spent almost a decade building the thing and then having to wait a decade for it to get where it was going. So, you know, like you know a a lifetime for some people uh on this project and so they have scenes in the control rooms where these images start coming back and like people are just losing their minds and it's really great so so that is some feel-good content if you are into outer space yeah i thought the the launch today was beautiful uh after a week of just feeling so upset with the world uh it was something hopeful to watch today about things ahead you know too bad elon musk is a fucking jackass yeah but he wasn't in the rocket that's true he He just fronted some money for it and likes to be associated with it what's been going on with you lily nothing just been at home not really doing anything i'm feeling like real out of sorts today like everything has just felt really heavy and i've been like not in my like in the best place yeah it's hard to feel not i don't know irresponsible or selfish doing anything that is enjoyable when uh you know there's riots going on for good reason there's people on social media that are running their mouths that need correction there's people that need to be bailed out of jail you know there's just so many things that are literally life and death that are happening right now but at the same time we're all under quarantine so i don't i just feel like one there isn't enough that i can do um no matter how much i do which certainly is not going to stop me from trying but uh yeah, it's just, like, sitting at your home, be- like, feeling safe. 
which is not an option that a lot of people have ever in this country. Like, it just really hits home, like, this week, seeing seeing all the footage and uh, hearing some, like, really moving words from people that are deeply affected, but then also hearing some really fucking ignorant words from people who, like, don't fucking get it. I don't know. Yeah, I agree with you. It felt really heavy. It, I, I feel guilty for, for doing anything enjoyable, almost, like, which... Yeah, is I mean, the fact the fact that I can sit here and even say that, like, makes me feel kind of embarrassed. (laughs) No, I totally get that. I'm right there with you. Well, and the last night was the um, protests in Dallas that escalated into the rioting and the looting. And my sister in law was there and um, she had invited me. But I was like, oh, girl, I'm an old mom now, which is terrible excuse to not protest but it was at 6 30 and um i know that's terrible but um i did not go and also my husband gets really like nervous he doesn't even like it when i like jog around the neighborhood he's very concerned about my safety but um i didn't realize like that things had started escalating until i was just like half asleep like scrolling through facebook and suddenly people were posting all these live feeds of what was going on and i was like watching and then there was tear gas and uh so i was like sick to my stomach like trying to text her like are you still in dallas and it took her a few hours to respond where she was finally like yeah we're leaving right now and it was just like a couple hours of just being so anxious about like like everybody's safety and her safety and then like laying there like should i wake up my husband this is his sister but then if i wake him up he'll just be anxious and not know what's going on either so is it better for me to just lay here and be anxious and wait for her and then i was like maybe she's at home and sleeping and she's not even getting my text should i text her mom and see and i was like no i'll just start family drama fight so it was just like all of these thoughts and then i was so so then I was just glued to social media last night, even after she told me she was safe, just like watching these live feeds and stuff of people like having their phones out and like uh, streaming it live and stuff. So it was just like, and then I had to wake up and be a mom. And that's like, like you say, it feels like even selfish and embarrassing to even say that these things are, are hard and exhausting because I have so much privilege in my life that it's like, who am I to even say, oh, I'm emotionally and mentally exhausted right now, you know? Right. No, I feel you. Um, I think for the next newsletter, we're definitely going to have some expanded uh, Politicraft stuff. So uh, resources for people. Um, I've seen a lot of really good lists and resources of um, stuff for, for white people, like what you can do as an ally, um, like how you can support these protests. Uh, how you can support um, these causes, uh, what you can do to educate yourself, uh, ways you can examine uh, racism, your own racism, uh, what you can do to speak out. So, um, and also a lot of uh, things that you can donate to, either with time or money, like uh, um, bailout funds for people that have been arrested, things like that. So we're definitely gonna gonna try to get as much information in one place as we can. It's the least we can do. Well, so on that note, I mean, I guess let's just jump into our topic and table that for now. Um, mm-hmm. Well, this this is X-rated. Yeah, we talk about witchcraft and how everything's horrible. <laughs> how everything is terrible. Yeah. I'm Lily. 
I'm Scarlett. And I'm Jay. What's on the agenda today? Jay, why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, you you picked it. I picked it? Or did you say yeah, I you picked, picked it? it? Yeah, oh. you picked it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, well, Scarlett had the lovely idea, and I suggested that we should do the lovely idea of witch tools that we use, that we don't use, those kind of things, and we'll get into all of that. Yeah, so like actual three-dimensional objects in the world that um, that are common to witchcraft or, or uncommon or that we use. So I, I thought maybe we could start with ones that we don't use that are things that maybe, because I know when you start out as a baby witch, you read some Wicca 101 book and it's throwing all these gods and incantations and incenses and crystals and all these uh, witch tools with some with very obscure old-fashioned names at you and it's very overwhelming and you think you need all this stuff and we've said many times that you do not need any stuff in fact but having stuff is fun mm -hmm. um, and it can help it's a good prop so um, I thought we could start with some some tools that we actually don't use <laughs> um, that are, are common to other people so Somebody sounds good. Way. Yeah, I mean, I'm not like I don't consider myself Wiccan. So basically, all the traditional Wiccan tools are not really what like the a theme. And uh, I'm trying to think. Can of I stop ones. you for a moment? Like, yes. When I was a baby witch, like 13, reading like teen witch or whatever and i came across the word a theme and there was no google and i had no idea for a long time what the fuck and a theme was or and put, i was like yeah i was pronounced yeah because it's not even pronounced a theme but whatever but i was like what the fuck is this and when i found out it was a knife i was like what why can't you just, just say, say knife? knife just say knife well, I think that, <laughs> that right off the top i think is an interesting point that's kind of a tangent but um, the idea that these tools have to be old-fashioned and ancient and have these esoteric names when it's oh, just Oh, and you, ha you can't buy it. So you have to find right. it. You know, and it'll like, come to of, you. Fuck off. Instead of a broom, it's a besom. Like, a besom. Yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> I... If you go back historically, these were tools that people had in their household. And considering that in the Middle Ages and, you know, like being, well, even before that in certain pagan areas, being accused of sorcery would get you in pretty big trouble. So being able to use things that are easily disguised in plain sight was awesome. So having, having dual use tools. So it literally was the broom that you sweep your house with, but then it's also this magical prop. You know, your cauldron is the one that you got over the fire with you know your dinner in it but it's also the one that you're using to brew other things so um i think that that's very historical and people tend to forget that and i mean it does it is very exotic and exciting to think that you're mm, using yeah. some like very obscure and and magical and and special tool but i i thought i'd put that out there right at the top that that i that is definitely not necessary a tool certainly does not have to be and was not historically a thing that was very exotic or hard to obtain or something you only use for ritual uh so sorry jay i interrupted you continue oh no no it was it was totally on point uh yeah i mean and even i was is and sometimes i'm like should shouldn't i be using a knife i like weapons but for some reason that one like i bought one 
a long time ago when we first started getting to witchy things that it's very cool and I thought I would be using it and it like has a nice sound and is like very fun but it because it looked very magical and then it just it never felt right so I think that's my thing with my tools if I don't feel connected to it I end up not using it so or if it's not like a practical use for me um, in what I'm doing then I'm not gonna use it so um, you know for me the knife hasn't really come into play yet and maybe I just haven't found the use for it yet of how I would want to wield it or use it in my magic but um, yeah it's one that I'm kind of like eh, you know like I can do weapons in the rest of my life my witchy life doesn't necessarily have to be entangled with those necessarily but yeah, I think that's the biggest one I can think of. Um, I don't have a besom. I need, I would like one, but I don't have one. I too have a knife, not as many as you, but I did get a cool one when we started, when I started hosting things here at the witch house. And um, it's super rad. It's Damascus steel. So it's like, it is in fact made of a very exotic and fabled material. And it looks really rad. But, um, and I, honestly, the most we use it in ritual has been referring to it. We don't actually ever really pick it up or do anything with it. Some of our invocations will be like, oh, so-and-so force that we're calling in, oh, come and be our blade or whatever. And so using it to represent that archetype of, um, strength and protection and, uh, you know, um, decisiveness and things like that so it's more just sort of some nice set design for the ritual space but we don't actually ever pick it up or use it for anything um so i have the same knife problem for sure i know a lot of people like to use them for uh cutting circles open or getting back in mm. if you have a ritual where there's a circle that's been cast and you need to come in and out Particularly like that, I mean, that's most common in semi-public rituals or public rituals where you would have maybe a situation where someone needs to pop out and like go to the bathroom or answer the door or something like that. Um, hmm. So, I mean, obviously that's kind of also predicated on the idea that the circle that has been cast is not permeable. So you would need to physically cut a door to let yourself back in and back out. Um, I don't usually think that's necessary. We've talked about this before, but we kind of stopped casting circles uh, once we kind of fell into a pattern and sort of figuring out what what our, our group vibe was going to be. Because I feel like the space itself, I mean, I think all spaces are sacred, but ours especially. Yeah. And um, I also feel like, you know, sort of over sanctifying a place is like equivalent to kind of blasting yourself with antibiotics or something where you sort of kill some of the good bacteria um trying to get rid of the bad so um but i think that that it can be definitely helpful i've, I've done it because i've been at rituals where people asked you to um and it's fun <laughs> it's certainly fun uh it feels yeah. good you can feel it working if you're inside a circle that was set up to be a like tangible border um, but it's not something we do. So, Yeah, I don't use an athame either. We both have, you have a stang, because we got our stangs together. Right? Oh, Jay. Yeah. Jay? Me. Jay. 
Yes, <laughs> we got hard. stings together. Uh, <laughs> um, I wasn't sure who you were talking to, but yes, we uh, we both got stings together um, when we went out antiquing, and they are very very cool. And they're like three pronged. Is yours two pronged or three pronged? It's three. Yeah, three pronged. And at first, I bought mine for being maleficent for like a wicked costume that I created of like my interpretation of Maleficent and I uh, stained mine so it was like a deep deep brown um, but yeah it's come into, into handy I just don't use it a lot but I'm not against using it it's just I with me doing rituals at home um, it's not something I've wielded but someday I'll like ride out into a storm with it or something <laughs> Yeah, that was fun. That was one of those things that I had never desired one. And it's something that's sort of come into vogue in, I'd say, for the past 10 years with the internet uh, groups that have sort of congealed around so-called uh, British traditional witchcraft, which uh, tends to refer back to either non-Wiccan or pre-Wiccan types of uh, European folk magic. And a stang, if you don't know what it is, it is like a three or two pronged kind of, um, it's like a wooden version of a pitchfork and it's a farming tool. It's basically used to like, you know, pick up hay and move it around. So, so like a broom or something of that nature, it, it is a farm tool. And the ones that we got were in a, there was a bin of them of like a dozen or so. And they were literally antique farming tools, except they were 25 bucks. And we were like, well, shit, <laughs> don't mind if I do. And I'm really glad we were in your car because they wouldn't have fit in mine. Because <laughs> they're That's like at least Jeep. five feet tall. They're tall. They're five and I think oh, yeah. taller than me. Yeah, mine's taller than me for sure. So yeah, taller than five feet. And so I had to like put the back down in my Jeep so we could like <laughs> get it out of there. Thank goodness there was no wreck. We'd get stabbed <laughs> in the back of the head by our stangs. <laughs> oh, oh, Jesus. No. <laughs> But I do, I, we have used the saying in group rituals, and I feel like we forget to, but the times that we have, I really enjoyed it. it. Often we kind of use it where we all, we all grab onto it together, which I find like very invigorating and powerful and has like a tangible, like tingly effect that, and that maybe that's why I don't use it so much on my own, because when I just do it by myself, it's not quite the same. Yeah, because the, the times you've used it, you have a stand that, like, it looks like an antique, like, Christmas tree stand or Yeah, that is exactly what it is. That you put yours in. Yeah, and you put it in there, and then when we've all, like, laid our hands on it and chanted and stuff, it does kind of bring us all to a center together. So I think there is something to that of how to use it and wield it as a tool that, whether it's as an individual or to be used in a group, but yeah, I, I feel more drawn to it in a group than I do individually. And sure. just in a sort of theater blocking sort of capacity, it, in a group, it gives you a good focal point, having this like really strong vertical single center point sort of tent pole prop there. What about you, Lily? And it looks magical. Yeah, it, it looks rad as fuck. So that's always a plus. It does, yeah. So what are some uh, witch tools that that are standard that you just don't use or that you have that you ended up kind of keeping on a shelf? crystals i don't use crystals at all i don't know their names i think i have a quartz crystal or maybe two that have been given to me but and i feel kind of good in my hand and i like them because other people like 
gave them to me as gifts, but I don't use crystals almost at all. And I don't really feel very drawn to them, except for like in an aesthetic sort of way. Or like sometimes when we've been at your house, Scarlet, and we've been like, just got your crystals out and done like fun crystal grids. When I touch them, I'm like, oh, yeah, this does feel good. But it's never really been enough where I've been like, oh, I need to get this. Even when I've been to like, like rock shows with y'all, gem and mineral shows, I've like picked a lot of stuff up and just been like, mm, I don't really need this. It's just not calling to me. So, but I like them when other people use them. They look very pretty. And I get very impressed when y'all talk about them. It's just not, it's just not for me. <laughs> I think they're just pretty, but they're also fun. Like if you do find ones that work for you. But yeah, I can see that if you don't feel it, it doesn't work. I honestly was not into crystals until there was literally one weekend where I was like, you know what? I'm going to learn everything about crystals. And I did. And I made a bunch of uh, really detailed Google Docs because that is how I do. And so I made made charts of all these different crystals and I wrote my own notes of um, what I thought they were good for, um, what they symbolized to me, what the common uh, uses for them were that I could find in the books I was reading or online. Um, I wrote down its chemical composition because that was something that would, like was really eye-opening to me is that a lot of crystals that have uh, different names are actually the same uh, stone, but just different color varieties. So amethyst, citrine uh, are all forms of quartz. They just have different names based on the color. So, the, and so the, then I was like, no, I'm the crystal person. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So that was something that came to me later. And... Um, I would say that my interaction with crystals is probably different than a lot of other people's because I tend to work with them like both of y'all are saying more aesthetically things that I I just think are pretty and like the feeling I get when I'm looking and handling at something that is pleasing is you know it, it gives you a good feeling so that's always going to be awesome and um and kind of more this the symbolism of them speaks to me like for example amethyst uh in greek mythology or greek superstition was supposed to um help prevent drunkenness because the myth of how it came to be was you know someone like spilled grapes or wine on it and that's why it's purple so so that to me is very evocative more than thinking that the crystal itself literally has that power so the stories are, are very evocative to me. But, um, so yeah, crystals. They are very pretty. They are. And you can always throw but them at people a, if they make you mad. You can. You've got that giant quartz necklace that you can just bludgeon someone with. Yes. If, if, if I swung it, it's like a mace. It's like a medieval. Oh, it is. It's heavy. I'm cupping my hand, but our listeners obviously can't see that. But it looks really weird. I need to weigh it. The way I'm cupping okay. my hand. I'll make a note. It's pretty. That I need to take a picture. It's pretty of big. It. Yeah, it's pretty formidable. Well, I don't have a staying either, but I do have a staff. Oh yes, I love I got, your staff yeah. very much. It is actually. It was. It's a really great story. How I came to get it. I mean, it's not that great. It's a fun story. But um, we were at the Texas Renaissance Festival in uh down closer to houston 
and I was uh, it was later in the day so I had had a few meads and I had no, and not only that we had my dad's mead because my dad brewed when he was alive brewed meads and uh, ales and beers and so we always snuck it in because at least back then they didn't really check your bags I haven't been in a two or three years so I don't know if they're still not checking bags but they didn't check your bags so we just would sneak my dad's mead in just drink my dad's much stronger and tastier mead all day so I had had a few meads and I had no like thoughts of getting a, st a staff had never even entered my mind but we walked into this shop of staffs and I saw this staff and I was like oh I'm gonna buy that motherfucker that is my staff and it is like it's this tall um I can't remember what wood it is but it's painted black and it's got a goat horn at the top and I just held it and I was like oh yes and then I remember Scarlett being there being like oh you look so sexy holding that staff and I was like yes I do and I'm keeping it I'm buying this staff and that's how I got my staff yeah it was like you just literally went straight up to it it wasn't one of those things where you're like I'm gonna kind of be browsing for a staff or like you get to this shop and like you're trying to decide between like two or three it was like beeline to that one it's it was like she-ra getting her sword and being like <laughs> like it was just immediate so yeah it was awesome and you know i don't use it like every day but when i use it i love it and i don't really use it in group rituals i bring it and i just kind of hold it it certainly makes you feel really powerful but um it certainly looks yeah. real cool so i feel powerful being next to you because you look Ooh. rad like some amazing <sighs> sexy Volva from the saga. Yes. Yes, that's how I feel when I wear it. I feel like I need like a real like flowing cape and like my face painted and like an animal skull on top of my head. You should dress like I'm that every it. day all the time. I should. I should. I'm not Especially we're in you. quarantine right now. Who's going to see me? My kids. So. But yeah, any others that we don't really use? Um I have a black mirror. Um, I had wanted one for a long time because this sounds cool. They look freaky. They upset people that are not witchy. <laughs> All the things that I love in my house. Um, so I got, we were at one of the gem shows, um, and I got a small piece. It's probably, I don't know, like six by four inches. It's an irregular slice. And, it, you know, it's meant for jewelers to cut and do other things with. But I just took it as the raw slice. And um, I polished it up with um, this Artemisia oil that I made way long ago that has, like, wormwood and mugwort in it. And it'll get shiny, like, polished uh, obsidian looks like. And uh, so I was trying to use it as a scrying mirror. So a black mirror is basically just something you are able to gaze into and because it's blank, uh, you know, you can kind of enter a trance state and, like, see visions, like, visually. Um, but it doesn't really work that way for me. <laughs> um, partly because my trance visions tend to not be super visual. And I think also I, like, went through this, like, really elaborate ritual because it was, like, so cool. It's, like, this piece of obsidian and it's like, you know, a cool, spooky, dramatic type of crystal. And it's black. And, you know, I don't know. It's just, um, I think I warded it too hard. Because <laughs> I was like, this is going to be my mirror. And it's only going to have things that come in that are helpful. And 
and it's going to be for this purpose. I, I don't know. I feel like it was like I put a really, really heavy, uh, like, spam call block on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So not a lot comes through. It's beautiful. So I think I need to maybe play around with, with different ways to use it. Um, or maybe kind of instead of trying to fit, like literally look at it, have it as a prop that maybe I kind of hold or place somewhere that is sort of a trigger or sort of a device that facilitates that kind of visionary work. But um, yeah, it was something that I was like super excited about, but just I don't didn't really work for me. <laughs> Uh, the other one that I have that is also super cool, and it's not that I don't want to use it. I just haven't really thought of a great way to use it. Or, honestly, I haven't really had a need to use it yet. But um, at PantheaCon a few years back, I got this amazing um, iron hand-forged witch's fork. And what that is, is it's um, it's got two prongs on both ends. And it's probably, I don't know, about nine inches long or so. And when I saw it, I said the words that I almost never, ever say. What is this? Tell me about it. <laughs> I hate asking. I hate telling people I don't know anything. Um, and the guy's like, well, this is a witch's fork. And what it is, is it was a medieval torture device. And they would pin it up between your chin and the notch in your collarbone. So that it would push your chin up. So if you're, you know, restrained and being tortured... And you are going to pass out or fall asleep. You can't because you can't lower your head without like stabbing yourself in the chest and under your under your chin, which is very tender and painful, as you might imagine. But so his idea in forging one and selling it to witches is this idea of reclaiming a tool that was a torture device, literally, and um, handing it back over to witches. And, you know, he was suggesting you could use it in, like, you know, sort of blasting spells or, like, sort of um, tapa boca type of, like, shut your mouth kind of magic. Because that's literally what it was doing. Um, so I definitely feel that vibe. Um, I haven't really needed to use it because I, I give off a pretty strong shut your fucking mouth vibe to begin with. Um, that's true, yeah. But to me, it also has, like, pretty strong underworld energy because uh, Hades' staff, um, his brother, Poseidon, is very famous for his trident, uh, which has the three prongs. Everybody knows that one. But um, Hades has a bident, which is a two-pronged one. So it being a double-edged two-pronged one, it has very, like, uh, underworld sort of... Um, vibes to it for me and the fact that it goes two ways that it's double-ended to me sort of symbolizes the going back and forth so kind of uh that sort of psychopomp hecate persephone kind of energy so i think i might because i use that kind of vibe a lot so so i need i think this is gonna be my i'm telling telling the the ether that i want to try to include that in my practice a little more because it is really cool it's handmade it was obviously a lot of thought was put into it and, um, you know, it was kind of a, an impulse serendipitous buy. So, yeah, we can um, link the website. Um, oh, the yeah. Newsletter, cause I think it's mm-hmm. Troll Cunning Forge, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. Something like that. And uh, yeah, we should totally link that in the newsletter because it's badass and put photos of it. 
Yes, we're, we'll have pictures of all of this because obviously it's hard to visualize what we're talking about because you can't see it. But we will have pictures mm-hmm. coming up. So, yeah, I think for me, like I've never had like a wand either. Like that's not oh, something yeah. that I would know how. I don't really know how to use a wand in my practice. So, uh, but I bought one at the same thing at the same maker. That's like, it's technically a candle scribe, but I don't really scrab candles much. So I was like, I'm going to use it as a wand. And then I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. So it's been pretty to look at, but I haven't figured out really, I don't really know what people do with wands in witchcraft. So if you have stuff, I'd be interested in hearing it. I just, it's not really something um, practice wise that I have looked into. Well, and yours is, it's sharp on one end, right? It's almost like a, an awl or like a, apparently I pronounced that wrong, but according <laughs> to New Yorkers who said owl in my fashion mm-hmm. classes, I was like, that is a majestic flap flap bird, an owl. <laughs> so I call it an awl, A-W-L. But yeah, so I mean, that idea of like it piercing or using it to carve, to me, yeah. I guess wands are kind of like for directing energy, but um, I don't feel like I need that extra extension from my body. Um, no. Yeah. I think maybe if I were more musical or something, that the idea of, which, I mean, I even like as an artist painting, I prefer things that are closer to the page. So I like, hmm. you know... Um, oil sticks you know I like pastels I like graphite I like to actually like smudge it with my fingers um or with a chamois cloth so and and I really dislike and have little patience for things that require very delicate brush strokes like watercolors where you know you're using that brush several inches away from the page and you're not really and you're not using a lot of pressure so I think that if I were a musician or something or or did something else with fine tools, maybe that idea of extending my energy or my intent through my fingers into something else would feel more natural, but I don't know. That gives me an idea alone of just maybe, because I do love working out in my yard and have a an affinity with my garden of maybe like if I want to draw some like sigils or runes in the dirt using Ooh. the scribe for that, yeah. maybe that's, that would be, I think more in tune with me of like using dirt. Uh, yeah. since I'm very connected to my garden. So I'm going to give that a try. <laughs> I like that Jay. That's a good idea. Well, what tools do y'all definitely use like uh, there's tools that i use sometimes and tools that i regularly use what ones like lily what do you regularly use um well i brought to show you i think y'all have probably seen it um i regularly use my mom's little pocket knife so my mom this knife is pretty old it says Winchester on the side, limited edition. But um, it's this little pocket knife. It's like probably the gun manufacturer. As... Yeah, that's what it says on the side of it. Okay, it's um, it's about as long as my hand is when it's like fully extended. But anyways, my mom. This was my mom's knife from when she was younger, and she gave it to me when I was like 
like 13 or 14 and started uh, like being allowed to like go out on my own and I had like a purse and she gave it to me because she said like a woman should always have a knife in her purse and this was her little like knife to give me my mom has a much bigger knife that she keeps in her purse but um, and a baseball <laughs> so bat this- in her trunk yeah nah don't fuck with my mom but um so this was like the little knife that she gave me and I kept it in my purse for a long time and then I think it was like when I was 17 and went to Germany for a summer I took it out of my purse obviously because I had to like get on airplanes but then I kind of stopped carrying it in my purse but I always had it so now I use it and not I don't think in the same way you would use in uh, athame or a theme or whatever but um, I do use it when I'm doing cursing or banishing I sharpen it and um, kind of as I'm chanting and I use it to stab things like if I like wrote a spell or a curse or something on a paper I'll uh, stab the knife with it or if I need to like cut something um, like if I'm going to use some sort of like herb or something or anything like that, um, I use it or sometimes I just open it and place it on like the kitchen counter while I'm working, while I'm like performing some sort of magic. But um, so I use that quite regularly, but I love this little, this little knife. Um, I use my runes quite regularly, obviously, but um, I also use my pipe that I got I used it more before but haven't used it as much recently um because I just don't have time to like take it out load the little bowl get it started and then smoke it you know I just don't have time in my life so I only use it every once in a while now but it's this handmade um it's called like a lady's pipe because it's smaller than uh the, the average pipe but it's still a Gandalf in the sense that like it's got this it's kind of long but um, it's hand. It was handmade by this Ukrainian man who had this like Etsy very briefly that was all set up by his niece because I guess he was like a carver from like this little town in the Ukraine and he made these pipes and his niece was like, oh, you need to sell these. So she set up this whole Etsy oh, account so and cute. now it's gone. I know, I know. And I got this dude. I'm telling you, this freaking handmade pipe was fifteen dollars. Oh my and, goodness. And like. Yeah, and it was, like, the ladies' pipe because it was small. But, um, and there were other, like, more elaborately carved ones that were more expensive. There was, like, some that, like, had a wolf's head. But, um, it was, the Etsy account is no longer there or I would link it and buy more of this little Ukrainian man's pipes. But, um, so use that. I also, um, have this little box that I'll take a picture of and post it that I got. It's this, um little carved box and it's a little bit kitschy i got it from the schwarzfeld from the black forest in germany and i bought one for myself and one for my sister and it's got this floral design on the top but inside of it is where i keep my megalodon tooth that i bought with scarlet one time or yeah yeah it was with scarlet yeah because we were at that little convention jay you were there too it was that tiny convention and that's when we found that odyssey shop that those two Mm, teachers yes yes. so i bought this from those two teachers that had this like little like almost curiosity shop of stuff and it's like this chipped megalodon tooth but i use that to represent one of my disir that comes to me as a shark and so i use that pretty often i keep the little tooth inside this little wooden box 
and I just kind of when I'm like journeying and stuff I kind of just open it up to kind of like invite her in not that I think she lives in this box it's mostly just symbolic well I have a question for you Lily so mm -hmm. I mean you got those two things separately so what was it that made you be like this shark tooth needs to go in this like cute little German like souvenir box I don't You're just know. like, it's the right the, size? Like uh, It was, I don't know. I had the little box first and I didn't really keep anything in it. It was just like real cute. And then I had the... As giant sharks are. <laughs> and I just had both of them. And now inside of it, I have... So the little shark tooth sits on a bed of dries ro dried rose petals. And the rose petals were from roses that were like given when my dad passed away. And we're like some of the flowers that we were given from people. So it sits on a little bed of these like dried rose petals from my dad's viewing. So, so it feels very um, liminal, the whole thing. Like when it's a box and so like you open it and there's this whole like in and out state. I've got my megalodon tooth, which isn't representative of really a liminal space. I mean, I guess you could kind of think of the mouth as a liminal space. Oh, yeah. Good point. And, um, well, in the ocean... Uh, you know, in the ocean too, yeah. So never mind, it is representative of a liminal space. And then these uh, flower petals from when my dad passed away. So I use this quite often in just like a kind of, I like to hold it, or like I said, when I go, when I enter trance states or do journey work, I just kind of open it. So, but those are kind of my, my go-to, my pipe, my mom's knife, my megalodon tooth, and my runes, which I've talked about a ton but those are like my four go-to things that I use pretty often I think one of the things that I started using um a lot when we started doing rituals that seems really simple but always has a really strong effect is one of our very first get-togethers we made like little smudge fans out of like mm -hmm. feathers and things and when someone blows like i we have this really great smudging spray from house of wormwood that's uh sage scented that smells oh, amazing but we've also just used like incense that we were burning and we'll take turns everybody goes um you know sort of uh to the person on their side and and brushes it kind of over them fans it on them with this little uh feather or, or whatever prop we have and the feeling of that receiving it is I mean, it's just like, it feels like you just went under, like, went through a car wash or something in a good way. Like, it, something about that, like, that gentle breeze and having one of your witch sisters do it feels oh, yeah. really nice um, and affectionate and communal. And then, of course, the scent is amazing. And uh, just having that one quiet moment where you, you have to stand still you close your eyes and instead of thinking or looking or saying or hearing, it's just these very primal feelings of scent and uh, touch. And so doing that at the beginning of rituals like really just snaps you right into it. And, and I think the idea of taking turns and doing it for each other is really, really nice too. Um, I think some other, I mean, I really like, I have like a lot of statues that I've collected over the years and especially the kind of niche that I made that's a lot of um, my Hindu goddesses. 
uh, and we've talked about this before, and and I've I've posted pictures of them and written about it in the newsletter. But um, I'm I'm very visual, and like certain styles of art are very evocative. You know, thing things about composition and gesture and everything um, really speak to me, especially for certain goddesses that I'm not quite as close to. So having that image where I feel like I'm interacting or, you know, have, have a trigger to, to visualize them because I'm looking at a representation. So, and it also gives you like a physical spot to like look at or address words that you're saying at, you know, or leave an offering. Um, so just sort of as a, as a physical anchor point, um, I, I find those. And plus like, you know, I only get ones that have some kind of meaning, you know, either sort of serendipitously find one. I have a few that I've gotten on travels or, you know, I got, got a deal at a market, you know, things like that. So they have some kind of uh, significance in space and time from the moment that I got it. Um, so those would be things that I kind of use that um, would, I think, be considered sort of like starter witch, alt, like Wicca altar things. You know, they say, have your have your pentacle and your chalice and your, your uh, like incense and your candles and your little representation, your statues on your altar so um something else that i had never even thought about using um i i don't know how i thought to get one but i have a little singing bowl and that's another thing that we tend to do at the beginning of rituals now and i use a lot now in my home if um i'm just sort of sitting and i don't know like so basically if you're not familiar with singing bowls it is a bowl it's not just a clever name but it's sort of it makes that effect that sound of like when you run your finger around uh, the lip of a uh, like a wine glass and it because it's such a strong vibration it it also has that like a strong like clearing sort of focusing sort of um trance inducing sort of feeling um and i just got i got a great deal on a big ass like i think it's like at least five gallons. It's huge. Um, and y'all still haven't been to see it. But I got a big ass crystal one. Um, so I like those very much. I use those a lot. Um, oh, I have my, my little Strophilos, which we've also talked about. But when I started reading the Hecatan, it's like a little whirly gig. And um, that's awesome, too. That's a very, like, as a tool. I use it mostly, like... It, what it's designed to do is summon a familiar or fetch spirit. Um, but it's also because that spirit is uh, associated with Hecate. To me, it's very much like about getting into that liminal space, kind of opening the doorway between um, here and the other, other worlds, underworlds. Um, so and, and also summoning that spirit. And then it's also just the act of doing the spinning is very trance inducing. Um, cause it makes a sound and it has a feeling on your fingers and it has like a vibration. So I, I started, and that's something brand new. I mean, that's something that I made like a few months ago. Oh, I was going to also mention, um, something that we started out using that we still use fairly frequently is, um, in one of our rituals, we came up with having, um, these different like foodstuff symbols of different archetypes or deities or or elements or directions or whatever and they're um, wine or vinegar and then salt and honey and it's because those are all things that don't 
in theory go bad um and they have obviously a huge storied history in magic and culinary usage since the dawn of time so um we tend to still always use those um in our rituals particularly salt um to to eat or to sprinkle or whatever and obviously wine is is well associated with intoxication and stuff and and I think the honey is a is a good counterpoint. There's a lot of magic um, as a, that I mean we could have a whole podcast about that. Um, so the, that's something we kept from the very beginning, uh, which is more kind of an I guess it's a tool, sort of more of an ingredient. But we have it as more of like a prop, you know. So what about you, Jay? What are some tools that you use? Well. Um, every personal ritual that I do, I have started using a bell to kind of clear sound wise that my, mm. the bell, my brother got me in Japan and it's this beautiful bell that's in like a little basket. So it's like, it's got like a little woven basket that it's around and it just has a really beautiful ring to it when especially if you ring it several times and let it ring out um it's very like light and soft but also like the ring goes for a while and it's just it felt very magical even though he didn't intend it <laughs> like witchcraft wise he wasn't like here's a witch tool but he brought it back for me and it just ended up becoming a part of my witch practice of just using that and um it being connected to my family and then the sound of it just it started feeling right where of just a way to cleanse like the area and help kind of start a ritual in some way so I, that became part of what i do is just to like mentally set the space for me is you know i i, I like to smudge and then i also like to do the bell because it kind of helps just set the pace for what i'm doing um, and then the amount of times I ring it sometimes is affected by what I'm doing. Like when I did the, the needles, I did the amount, I rang the amount of times that I had the needles or, um, just whatever the, what fits the practice. I think if there's like a rule of three or something, I'll do three or anything like that. So, um, the bell has kind of become a new tool that I'm actually really enjoying. Otherwise... I think tool-wise, uh, really, I don't have a whole lot. I mean, I always use candles, but I don't know if that's really a tool or not, but that always yeah. helps me kind of set the mood and um, use it in different ways, whether it's pouring the wax or how I light the candle or when I use the candle. Um, I think candles are always a big part, or what candle I use. I have a witch sister candle that Scarlet gave me that I use sometimes when I just need to call on my sisters. And then... Um, my witch sisters and then you know I have different candles for different things that really help kind of um, just center in on what I'm focusing on and then I have a labradite sphere that I took with me when I went to see the eclipse in St. Joseph Missouri and I it was like a thunderstorm hit right as the eclipse started and so it was charged in a thunderstorm and an eclipse and the energy it has is pretty amazing so sometimes i just take it and hold it or roll it around on my body um when i'm needing that kind of energy 
but yeah, that's the main crystal I really use in my practice. The others I, I use for my altar for like um, honoring different like Sekhmet. She likes my gems and stuff. She likes sparkly things, but uh, otherwise actually using them, that's the main one I use. Yeah, we already covered everything else pretty much of like smudge fan. Um, I use my Justice League tarot um, cards wise uh, pretty regularly. But other than that, I mean, oh, wait, M well, I don't know if we're going to cover this in another section, but mundane things that I use, I use needles a lot and thread in my practice of just like, uh, especially if I'm binding something, I like to stitch things shut um, mm -hmm. and use scissors sometimes, like my sewing scissors, I have like a, a metal pair that's really rad and I'll use that to cut things and... Um, and the needles now I'm going to start using for divining as well. So I guess needles are starting to have a theme for me, but they, they've been kind of useful for when I want to stitch like some words shut or different types of spells. Yeah. But that's like some mundane things that I like to use of just like needles, scissors, sewing stuff. I mean, needles and thread are definitely like, I mean, I think most strongly about like things like voodoo dolls or poppets or um putting needles in candles because that used to be a way to like measure time is you would take your taper candle and you'd put needles in it and that would space out like it takes an hour for it to burn from the tip to the next marking on the needle so so putting needles and candles and stuff um definitely in the mix as far as like traditional stuff although the way you use it it was much more intuitive and uh kind of came out came about more organically is there anything else lily that you use on the rag that you want to mention um i guess i do use my drum i kind of forgot i haven't used it as much lately because i'm kind of home with my family but i used to use my drum quite a bit and then i also have a broom i'm going to call it a broom that was um specifically it was, oh, I can't remember the name of the shop, but it's like this Oregon shop that made them. And um, my husband got it for me for Christmas one year, but um, it's really cool and witchy looking. And I do use that, not like super regularly, but um, during important times, like I took Scarlet, your tradition of sweeping your porch on Halloween. And I started doing that and like, I like it to mark a space and I used it. I use I've used it in some of our rituals before, like when I was um, kind of not channeling, but just kind of what's the right word? Um, oh, meditating. When I was ugh, when I was Baba Yaga, just kind of like oh yeah yeah. What's um, the right word aspecting. for that? Because we weren't aspecting yet. Because I wasn't channeling, but I was just kind of like aspecting Baba Yaga. I used the broom because Baba Yaga uses a broom when she's got her little mortar and pestle that she she sits in the mortar and she pushes herself and then she uses the broom to sweep away her tracks so no one can find her Ooh, i like that so, i know baba yaga is pretty awesome but yeah anybody have any others before we move on i was gonna mention the fire bowl that we have um i got this uh like on etsy an antique it's actually a, a like a pewter or I guess it's a steel plated or silver plated candy dish but it's got three parts to it and it's got these little snicky snakes and um, we fill it up with uh, Epsom salt and rubbing alcohol and light it on fire 
and dance around it when we're doing a, an indoor ritual. And um, so we use that kind of just as a focal point and we dance around it. And then usually what happens is every fire is different, which is makes no sense because we do it the exact same way every time. But sometimes it's like a really high, like leaping fire or sometimes it's low and crackling or sometimes it pops or sometimes it just hisses and sometimes it's like very blue and hot and then other times it's like you know more like large tongues of flame that are orange and it always kind of has some sort of significance to what we're doing it seems to to take on the character of whatever we're working on and then we tend to as it dies down energy wise we usually sit around it and watch it until it, every little last flame goes out and we've also used it to burn things and uh which is super fun and uh We've done it, uh, you know, kind of as a banishing or sort of as a cathartic thing where you burn something and you like watch it dissolve into ash. Also burning things more as like sending it up as a wish. So like both kind of positive and negative types of, of using that fire. Um, so that's definitely something that we, we do a lot. Um, and then I, and I've fired it up a few times on my own, um, Cause it's just, it's, uh, it's invigorating, but it's also something that can be a little meditative. So it's got that, that sort of roller coaster of energy to it. Usually Scarlet, is there anything that you want to use? Yeah. <laughs> I've been wanting to make a, either a siller or a sistrum. Um, a sistrum is an ancient Mediterranean sort of rattle and, uh, it's used a lot in Egyptian um, rituals and also Mesopotamian, like a Sumerian and uh, um, Akkadian ritual. And it's basically, you would use it the same way you'd maybe use a bell or something as um, to summon in spirits or to dispel spirits. Um, also as a musical accompaniment or uh, to create sort of a trance inducing uh, rhythm so it has a lot of uses. Um, I w participated in, a, there was a priestess of Inanna at a ritual I went to, and she did a super, super ancient traditional um, cleansing or banishing where, and it's, it's taken straight from like texts that are like 4,000 years old, where she rattles it over different parts of your body and says like, you know, spirits of the whatever, like, like cleanse and protect this person and what and then says something about that area of the body and, and does it on your head and your hands and your feet and everything and it, it felt great and so good that when she was done I was like is this weird but can I give you a hug and that is not how I ever act to strangers ever yeah no you are not that but person it was just so fun and delightful and it just felt like so invigorating that like that was my response. So I, I clearly had a really strong, strong reaction to it. <laughs> and um, a siller is a more uh, traditional European tool. And it's usually a piece of wood or bone that has like little silver bells on it. And it's basically the same thing. It's, it makes it a, as a little rattle. So, um, so yeah, I'd like to, to construct something like that. Um, definitely because I like the Egyptian element because I work with the Egyptian gods a lot. But I've also seen some cool designs that um, are a little more freeform. Um, 
and less like a formal musical instrument that are like sillers with the little bells and stuff. So um, I'd like to, to make one of those. And basically, I would probably use it about the same way that, that Jay does with her bell that her brother gave her. And um, we made a cord um, during a ritual that's red and white and black, like big fluffy pieces of uh, yarn, like real big fluffy ones, like, you know, three fourths of an inch thick that we braided together. And it's real long. I think it's like it's at least 12 feet long. It's real long. Yeah, and so so braiding it was really hard because we would all three of us would have to like m like lift and fold and like step back and step forward to to braid it um and the cord uh, is a british traditional witchcraft thing um it's, it's also common in other traditions but typically people use it they, they call it like a quote-unquote girdle but it's basically like you wrap it around yourself and it's sort of like magical armor, um, which is not how we use it at all. Um, we don't use it that way. We, I like the symbolism of it being because I, in my meditations, sometimes visualize a cord that I can hold on to or pull so that I don't feel like I'm unmoored or I'm just going to float right out of my body and not be able to come back. So that idea of feeling feeling grounded and safe, but sort of like you've got your balloon string holding you onto something. Um, and I've also been at a really cool ritual where they had a huge ass rope, like, I don't know, probably like hundreds of feet. And so, cause it was a group of people that there were like at least a hundred people there and we were all holding onto it. And so we were supposed to like put this like negative energy in the rope and then they were going to, to reel it in and put it in this cauldron. And what was freaky was, Everybody's got it just kind of resting on their palms. And when they started pulling it, like no individual person was like yanking on it, tug, tug of warring. But it was like the person had to yank it. It was like just, you know, so slow, like pulling roots out, like in a garden, like just things it like all, all that energy everyone put in, like drawing it through your hands. And feeling it, feeling the resistance, and you know that you're not grabbing onto it, and you see that none of the people around you are holding it. Like, so that was really powerful. So, um, and we've done rituals where we'll use it to kind of mark out a circle, or we'll all hold it with each other, and and that feeling of feeling connected, feeling the tension between everybody. So I li I like that, um, I, and that's something that I I'd like to use more, especially because we've we made it as a group. We've used it as a group, um, and it has that strong feeling of feeling connected when we're all holding on to it. So I like the idea of having it and and recreating that feeling um, when I'm by myself. So um, feeling like connected to our our vibe as a as a little coven. So um, that's definitely something that I want to remind myself to to use more often. Lily, you got anything? Oh, I do. But um, no, not really. <laughs> no, for me, what I've really wanted to do, it's part art project, too, is I want to make um, basically scent candles for some of my family members that's passed away. I want to make one for my dad and one for my aunt and one for two of my cousins who have uh, passed away. But it's kind of been this big, it's one of those things where, like, it feels really important 
And so then I kind of build it up. And every time I try to start a design, I'm like, oh, this is terrible. This sucks. This isn't doing them justice. What am I doing? And it's something that I just kind of need to like start making some bad ones. So that I just kind of get over that because I've been using, I have a St. Raymond candle um, that my mom got me for my dad. And then I also have a um, Mary of the Sacred Heart candle that I had just also that I bought when my dad passed away because the uh, mother Mary is very important uh, to my Italian side of the family. My great grandma had like basically a shrine to Mary in her house. I didn't see it. She passed away before I was born, but it was something that was always talked about. And also my great grandpa um, got sick with, um, Oh gosh, uh, now I can't remember, but he was very, very sick. And this is like a story that's been passed down and he got sick from eating. It was a bacterial infection. He got sick from eating bad clams in Brooklyn Bay and, um, cause it, the waters were so polluted and he was dying. He'd got like his last rites and everything from the priest and they, um, this is kind of a tangent. They, uh, he after he received his last rites his father had died when he was a child so the story goes that he prayed to mother mary and said you know if you let me live so that my children don't grow up without a father i will honor you for always and um then he lived and it's like this big family story that he made like this miraculous recovery and he always said that it was uh mary so on the day in August that is the day for Our Lady of the Assumption, he would always make my grandpa and my grandpa's siblings go swim in the polluted waters that got him sick as kind of like this offering, like, I trust that Mary's going to protect my children so much that I'm going to have them swim in this polluted waters and they'll never get sick. And they never did. But um, whether that's just luck or if it's actually Mary, I couldn't tell you. But, um, but anyway, so Mary is just this, like, really important person like figure in my uh dad's side of the family so anyways when he passed away i bought this uh i had never really been into candles but i bought a uh mary of the sacred heart candle kind of for him and for that side of the family and i've been using it quite often but anyways that's what kind of inspired me to think about making candles for my family members which i haven't done yet because it's this big art project that i've put like all of this importance on and y'all know how it goes yeah when you do that to something what about you jay we have masks that we made um that i don't really use and i kind of see it as a tool of something like to kind of uh like putting a veil i do use a veil i forgot about that i use my grandmother's veil um pretty often it's a black beautiful prayer veil Ooh, i love it and yeah it's gorgeous um not sure if she would be thrilled to music for witchcraft, but who knows? It was different times. But I have masks that I don't use that I want to kind of use for the same purpose of putting myself in a place like of what I'm wanting to channel. I have a space cat one that I made that I, I love that we when we made masks together. And I, I want to start using those more. And I don't know why I, I'm shy about it of like trying to. Yeah, embody you cosplay, dude. Like, what's. I know. <laughs> so I don't know why I tend to be a little bit shy with my witchcraft, but that is obviously changing, especially as I work with the Morgan, um, of not being as shy about things of like, oh, I need to like do it right, or I need to learn more. And I'm like, just get in there. So 
Um, my I want to start using, I have a Sekhmet mask I also made, so I want to use that as well when I want to embody her a little bit and like start using those in my rituals. I really want to try and find ways to um, to work with them and not be so shy about it. One day when we can all be together again for rituals, I think that we should just start making and using more masks. I have one that I made, um, I think it was just me, Scarlet, and Blackbird, but it was for uh, Yule, for like a um, wild hunt sort of thing. We all made them, and I love it, but it's just not a lot of opportunities to wear masks. I would love to just like, because the idea with the wild hunt one, because obviously that's a tradition like all over Europe and other parts of the world, this idea of, of wearing this sort of grotesque or bizarre costume or mask. And t a lot of the times around the winter solstice, you know, you think of like Krampus and other types of those characters and just run around in the yard <laughs> and like, you know, like act out the idea of we're running around as the wild hunt. Cause we've done other rituals it's where we, we actually circum circum circumambulate around the house and, and there is something very fun and old-fashioned about that of, of being outside in the dark marching around um so i think i think doing one that's like a little more frenzied and fun we did one oh my god i just totally had this like buried memory that came back so when i was like two or three my mom had me in ballet class and i really didn't like it because it was really super girly but we the teacher would do every once in a while this game sort of dance that everybody really loved. So like at the end of class, she would turn off the lights because, you know, when you're really little, anything that you do that's like out of the ordinary is like super fun and exciting. So having the lights off was like, what is happening? And she would play this special music and we'd just run around from different corners of the room acting out that um, we're flying around. There's a witch. So she's like, okay, everybody, put on, put on your witch hat. And like, we would act out like putting it on and tying it under our chin. And, and then we'd be like, okay, and get on your broom. And so we would kind of run from one corner and she's like, okay, and now the wind is coming and like, and then, oh, you got a duck. And so we would just kind of follow and she would, she would call it out and, but we would play around like we're flying around, which is like the most witchy goddamn thing for a three year old I've ever heard of. <laughs> But that would be so fun. I think that would be delightful as fuck to go do as a goddamn adult in the backyard with like our brooms and our stings and our freaky little masks and just run around. I think that would be a blast. Well, and your house feels good to like stomp and run inside of it too. Like you've got those wood floors. Oh yeah. And stomping on them, it's very satisfying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But yeah, I'm just excited for when we can all get back together eventually one day and do a ritual. I just, like, miss being around y'all and being around, like, other people. Obviously, I love my husband and my children, but it's just, like, I'm missing that uh, connection and that, like, being close. Yeah, definitely. And I'm excited to, to do the postponed Hexanoct ritual, which right now we've sort of got a tentative date in the fall as a makeup date but that i kind of circling back to the tools thing um not to spoil it um but we were thinking about doing a lot of prop tool work with veils the idea of um hanging a physical veil 
and interacting with it you know like the the ritual of hanging it of feeling it of passing both sides of it of holding and touching the fabric of veiling yourself um taking off the so all, all of that of working with like an actual prop and um so i'm excited to do that um and and i think that kind of circles back to to what we were talking about a little bit um with some of our other rituals so so yeah hopefully yeah. that will we'll, we will keep you super posted on that because i'm excited about yeah. it yeah and we're definitely looking forward to it yeah we're definitely doing it so right now it's kind of tentative but if you do not have any idea what the fuck we're talking about you can join the Facebook Uncoven, which is a Facebook group, and um, it's an event that's in the group, so you can you can see um, the whole outline of what it is and where it's at, and right now when it's going to be in October, hopefully, depending on quarantine situations, so we definitely invite you to check that out, and also sign up for our newsletter, because we are going to have pictures yeah. of all these things that we are talking about that you cannot see. That probably do not make as much sense as they ought to. Um, <laughs> this is not a great medium for show intel. But um, <laughs> but there will be lots of neat things to look at in the newsletter. Yeah, also neat things to look at on the, the Instagram. You can check us out there. Hex Rated Witches. And, uh, or Hex, Hex Rated Podcast? Crap. Instead of Hex Rated Witches. Hex Red Witches, that's right. And then um, on Facebook, you can check us out. Hex Rated Podcast there. And then you can email us at hexratedpodcast at gmail. Email us about whatever you want. I mean, probably I assume it'll be witchy stuff. But you know what? If you just want to chat, that's fine too. And uh, you can slide into our DMs if you have anything to say. Not dick pics, though. That's never happened. But that once <laughs> I said keep slide into the DMs, that's the first thing I thought of. And I was like, oh, God, do not encourage anyone to, to be doing that. Just oh. witch pics, not dick pics. Another <laughs> thing that you can just wish. It's not. We need to make that shirt. Damn. That was good. Witch pics. Um, another thing. Pics. Oh, my gosh. Is you can email us about having Lily has offered to do a three rune reading for you. If you make a donation, do you want to say a blurb about that? Yeah. Yeah. So if you make a donation to Black Lives Matter, the GoFundMe for um, the Floyd family or some uh, affiliated or um, similar organization or cause, if you make a $15 or more donation, email us at hexratedpodcast at gmail.com with your like a screenshot or a receipt or something to just prove that you did it. And I will do a three rune reading for you. That is a deal. And, and for a good cause. So, huh, that's good. Mm -hmm. Y'all feel good? I, I feel, feel good. good. You feel good? Okay, you ready to get out of here? Yeah, let's yeah. do it. Hocus, Hocus Pocus, Pocus bitches! bitches.